Welcome to the Contending for the Word podcast, a podcast devoted to helping inform, educate, equip, and warn people about false teachers, false movements, and unbiblical philosophies. Now join our host for today's episode and enjoy. Well, welcome back to the Contending for the Word podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for today's show. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about a recent incident that was major news in many Christian circles, even in the secular news. And we're going to talk today about Derek Webb. We're going to talk about the Dove Awards, and we're going to talk about more about sexual ethics. I've, I've stated already that this is a topic that we're going to come back to. It is a large topic that... It, it needs to be, we need to be talking about this out in the church today because we have, we have people that are actively aiming, they're aiming, what they're aiming to do is they're aiming to pervert what the Bible says about one man, one woman, and marriage under God for life. And that is a biblical truth that we see in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Ephesians 5, and just about every single one of Paul's epistles, he at some point talks about marriage. And and so that we need to we need to be clear that as Christians, we are for one man and one woman for life under God. And we also need to be clear that a man is a man and a man is to dress like a man. And a woman is to dress like a woman, not like a, 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 a man, as we're going to see today, dressing like a woman or a woman dressing like a man. We need to be, the, the, the very fact even that I have to spell that out says something about the state of where we're at, even in Christianity today, because those truths that I just articulated they are beyond dispute. They are biblical facts. They are, it's not unclear teaching in the Bible. We see it all over the place. But still, what we're seeing today in this recent Dove Awards, it's a, like a Christian uh, sort of uh, award show, if you will. And uh, what we see here is, is that there was a Cademan Call singer named Derek Webb, and he wore a dress. He's a man. And he flanks uh, drag queen Flamey Grant at the Dove Awards. This is actually an article at the Christian Post, and I just gave you the title of that article. I'm going to work through this article, and I have some some others as well that we're going to look at. Um, so the, the author of this particular article, he states, while Webb is no stranger to the Dove Awards with 10 nominations and three wins, he said this would be the first year that he attends in person. Now, Webb on uh, social media, he shared an image of himself wearing a woman's dress, pearls, black stockings with a caption. Despite having won a, a few over the past 20 plus years, tonight will be my first ever trip to the Dove Awards in the company of some very good friends. Flamey Grant, and Grace Baldridge, among others. I hardly dress up, but this feels like a very special occasion. He posted on um, October 17th. And a short time later, he tweeted another image of himself, along with Matthew Blake, a former worship leader who wears makeup and women's clothing and performs under the name Flamey Grant and Grace Baldridge, who performs Semler. Now, Webb's ex-wife, artist Sandra McCracken, was nominated at this year's Dove Awards for her album Light in the Canyon. In 2014, Webb and McCracken divorced after 13 years of marriage and admitted at that time to an extramarital affair. The duo have two children together. And while the article continues saying, while Webb attributed his wardrobe to the special occasion of the Dove Awards, the Jesus Hypothesis singer hasn't shied away from wearing women's clothes on multiple occasions in recent months. On the same day as the Double Words, he posted another image of himself in the same dress in an anniversary message to his wife, Abby Parker. So he's a married man, dressing as a woman. Now, earlier this week, he also promoted print-on-demand merch, including a cup with an image of Webb wearing, you guessed it, a white skirt, along with the lyrics, but I say... Uh, unto you, you're beautiful and free from the song God in Drag. Now, 
in the Gospels, we see Jesus saying, but I say unto you, here he's proclaiming himself as a higher authority, as the Son of God and the Son of Man, so he's a higher authority than the scribes. And when asked about his intention in attending, you know, the Dove Awards, despite not being nominated, Blake said he sees the appearance as a sort of banner-wielding, exploratory scouting expedition. He says, we're not going to stir up trouble or demand a single thing, he told the Baptist News Global earlier this month. We're simply going to be present to express our queer joy, he says, and to celebrate in our little corner of the room. Now, Blake says he hopes to make queer Christians more visible simply by showing up at the Dove Awards. I'm interested in representation and taking up space and providing an option for Christians who believe in a God who redeems the whole world, not just the heteronormative parts of it. Webb and Blake made headlines earlier this month when the male pair both donned makeup, colorful wigs, and women's clothing while standing in front of a cross for a music video. And the video is, The Boys Will Be Girls, includes the lyrics, I heard Jesus loved and spent his life with those who were, were, are, or were, abandoned by the proud and fearful men. So if the church won't celebrate and love you, they're believing lies and can't save you or them because you're so beautiful by any name. And he also wrote a song called God and Dragon, which he appears to mock the biblical notions of heaven and hell. You've heard it said, oh, God so loved the world, but he'll reject you. The song goes, if you so choose, he will respect you and all for a time he'll disconnect you from his love and those who left you and in the skies live on without you. While the devil's flames surround you in the place that he designed to for eternity remind you of the choice that's now behind you. Either way, I bet you'll break a sweat. Now, in an interview, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes here uh, with Sojourners, which is a very progressive uh, theological website, he wrote the song, for, he says, for a dear person in my life who came out to him just a few years ago and compared performing in drag for the Boys Will Be Girls video to the incarnation of Christ. He says this, there is something about the experience of being put in drag by Flamey Grant that did feel incarnational to me. And I think that a great analog to the work that Jesus did and the power that incarnational risk has. Now, before we move on, I, I do need to say a, a few things here about this. Now, first, notice, notice as we've worked our way through this article what Webb is doing. He wants to do what sociologists call normalizing a behavior. Now, normalizing means that it is accepted in that culture as a cultural norm or an accepted behavior in practice. But notice also, he's not only advocating that it be an accepted cultural practice, but that it be culturally acceptable among Christians. That is um, egregious. We, we have talked about this on the show already with Andy Stanley and using him as an example, if you will, for supporting the LGBTQ movement. And, and the problem is, is anytime you hyphenate gay, or with, anytime you hyphenate Christian, you undermine the very meaning of the word Christian and you undermine the very basis upon which Christianity is built upon. And it shouldn't even be a shock at this point that he is bringing up the, the very notion of hell. Because the, what these people do is they, they don't believe in sin. So if you don't believe in sin, that sin is sin, that sin is transgressing the mark, it's literally uh, missing the aim, that's what sin is, then guess what? You're going to have issues with your understanding of the justice of God. You're going to have issues with your understanding of mankind. And, and yeah, you're going to deny the reality of hell as a place of unrelenting, unending, conscious punishment, as the church has always taught. And by the way, Jesus talked himself more about hell than anybody else in the entire Bible. That is a fact. And so the, the fact then that he comes and he says at the end of this, this Christian Post interview, 
He says, there is something about the experience of being put in the drag by Flamey Grant that did feel incarnational to me. Notice what he just did. He's stating that it is okay in his experience. He made it all about his experience, but he's talking about Christians. He's normalizing this behavior, and he's saying, look at this. This is okay because then notice what he says. And I think that's a great analog to the work that Jesus did and the power that the incarnational risk has. Notice that. He uses the word incarnation here. But it doesn't mean that. You see, this is what you have to pay attention to. I, I have said this so many times, I, 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 and I'm going to keep saying it, but you know, sometimes you, you say something and you're like, uh, I wonder if anybody's hearing me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying this because the thing is, is words have meaning. We are living in a time when the very notion of words are under attack. They're under assault. The, the very idea, if words are under assault, then language is under assault. And even in this particular uh, this quote from Webb, we can see that the very meaning of the word incarnation is under attack because the incarnation was where Jesus came under the sentence of death to pay the penalty in our place and for our sin. And yes, Jesus lived, you know, a perfectly sinless life, but but he's equating, uh, you know, basically saying, equating this to, oh, well, Jesus would wear a dress, and, and Jesus would be a drag queen, um, but where do we see that in the Gospels? We never see Jesus approving of sin or of a sinful lifestyle. What instead we see is, especially in John 4, we see, that, we see there uh, at the woman at the well, we see Jesus asking this woman a question because that, the questions that Jesus asks, they reveal her heart. And, and eventually she comes to see her need for Jesus and realizes in that story that Jesus is the one who is to come. He is the one who will pay the penalty. And Jesus says, I am. He, he, rec- he, he tells her, I am, meaning that he is God. He is, he is the one who has come. He is the one who will. He is the one who will do it all in our place and for our sin and be buried and rise again. And the the woman believes Jesus. And the reason that we know that she believes Jesus is because the story continues and tells us in John 4 that she then goes back and tells tells them about Jesus and brings other people to Jesus. And Jesus tells them about himself. He engages in the work Jesus does of evangelism. But nowhere do we see Jesus engaging in the kind of behavior in which... uh, Webb is explaining uh, there's there's nothing in the Bible that says that even even at that that situation at the end of John 7 the woman caught in adultery uh, he still doesn't approve of the woman's sin but he also shows compassion to the woman and protects her and so so yeah there's nothing in the Bible that that suggests what Webb is saying But there's another article that I want to bring your attention to, and some of this will further elaborate on, you know, the story and and give some more context, I mean. Uh, Skillet frontman John Cooper recently addressed the controversy. Uh, This is an article from uh, Church News titled, I'm Literally Speeches, Skillet's John Cooper Addresses Drag Queen at the Dove Awards, uh, written by Jesse T. Jackson, October 24, 2023. And, and the article uh, states that John Cooper recently addressed the controversy surrounding the last week Dove Award, a controversy that centered on the appearance of Derek Webb in a dress accompanied by an openly queer Christian artist, Sumler, and drag queen, Flamey Grant. The Dove Award ceremony, which was held at Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, was open to the public. Now, a couple of days after the event, Webb holds more than one double word of his own, posted an explanation as to why he wore a dress on the, at, the, at the award ceremony. Here's what his words in. I'll also, after this, put in the clip so that you can hear his words and so you can see it on the video. 
As a cis straight white man, I walk into a room like that in any room with an incredible amount of advantage and privilege, Webb said. If I'm attending as an ally of friends and colleagues, I should do everything possible to surrender that privilege at the door. Webb add, added, um, if, if the way you look at my loved ones isn't the way you're looking at me, I'm not truly standing with them. Now, Webb goes on to quote progressive Christian pastor Stan Mitchell, who has said, if you claim to be someone's ally but aren't getting hit by the stones thrown at them, you aren't standing close enough. And so Webb then concluded his video, which now has more than 2.4 million views, saying, plus, I have amazing leg, he says. Why did I wear a dress to the Devil Wards? As a cis, straight, white man, I walk into a room like that and any room with an incredible amount of advantage and privilege. If I'm attending as an ally of friends and colleagues, I should do everything possible to surrender that privilege at the door. If the way you look at my loved ones isn't the way you look at me, I'm not truly standing with them. It's like Stan Mitchell says, if you claim to be someone's ally but aren't getting hit by the stones thrown at them, you aren't standing close enough. Plus, I have amazing legs. Now, earlier this year, Webb released what he described as his first Christian gospel in about 10 years, which featured a song with Flamey Grant titled Boys Will Be Boys. And in, and in the lyrics, which I've read before, but I'll read again just to remind you, he said, I heard Jesus loved and spent his life with those who are abandoned by proud and fearful men. And so if a church won't celebrate and love you, they're believing lies that can't save you or them because you're so beautiful by name, so goes the song. The song video shows Webb dressing in drag and performing alongside Flamey Grant. Both Semler and Gr Flamey Grant have topped the iTunes Christian music chart within the last couple of years and have expressed their desire to be recognized by the Gospel Music Association, the GMA. Last year, Semler campaigned on social media to be nominated for GMA's New Artist of the Year Award and described her disappointment when she didn't make the list. This year, a week before the Dove Awards were to take place, Flaming Grant posted on social media that tickets to the Dove Awards are now out. But if you snagged one a couple of months ago in the nosebleed section with us, can't wait to hang. According to the post, Grant attended the event uh, to have a good time as out and proud queer Christian musicians. Rather than being a protest, at least no more of a protest than queer people existing in spaces that don't often welcome us by default. She says, uh, we were there to represent, take up our little bit of space and bring our queer joy to an award show that frankly needs it. Uh, a lot of us grew up listening to Christian music and watching the doves. And while we're not interested in asking for acceptance or approval from GMA, we accept and approve of ourselves. Thank you very much, she says. This little queer expedition party is about planting a metaphorical pride flag in a territory that hasn't been willing to wave one for us. And concluding, Grant said, queer people have always been in CCM. And, and we're inviting allies to join us and making it a safer place for us to exist as we are and to party. See y'all at the doves. Now, Dove Award winner John Cooper addresses these remarks. And the article at Church Leaders, they reached out to Skillet frontman John Cooper, whose band was awarded the Rock Contemporary Album of the Year this year for Dominion Day of Destiny, their latest album, to get his opinion on Webb, Flamey Grant, and Summer's attendance at the Christian Awards Ceremony. Cooper shared, according to this article, that he was hesitant to respond because he didn't want to feel the fire of a situation that didn't need it, but he was encouraged by friends and pastors to speak out. And so Cooper remarks, that there is a lot of Jesus followers in the industry that may not know the best way to speak, adding that he wanted to stand for biblical truth as opposed to being compromised. And he says, obviously, they're just trying to get attention. They're just trying to disrupt. And they're going about it in a very clever way, Cooper said. And the truth is, they're being aggressors in this. They've been trying to antagonize the Christian music industry, including Christian artists, and have attempted to get them to affirm their views on the LGBTQ plus movement for years, uh, he says. And the truth is, he added, this would not show up. They would not show up at a Muslim music celebration to do the same because that would be a little too insensitive. 
You wouldn't uh, want to go in and just start stomping on somebody's religion. The laws of intersectionality would apply. However, Cooper said they know that Christians are so wimpy and weak. They know that Christians are then going to somehow feel intimidated by them and not know how to act. Well, Cooper believes that the Christian music industry should recognize that Webb and the others are being the aggressors in the situation. And he said that he feels like the industry has set the groundwork to make people feel that they can bully us because we're so wimpy and weak. And which, in turn, makes Christians apologetic about what we believe, something he believes is an absurdity. Cooper was unable to attend the the Dove Awards ceremony this year, but said that if he had been there and seen Webb and the company that Webb was in, he would have ignored them like the Apostle Paul instructs Christians to do in 1 Corinthians 5. And if they weren't claiming to be Christians, then it would be a totally different story, Cooper said, sharing that he would have uh, had compassionate gospel conversations with them. And when you're dealing with people who claim the name of Christ, who then refuse to stop these patterns of behavior that the Bible condemns, then we have the responsibility to not associate with these people. So I would just ignore them, Cooper said. And Cooper added, "If, if there was clarity in the Christian music industry, about what it means to truly be a follower of Christ, I think that people wouldn't feel comfortable to come and express queer joy. I think they would be like, this isn't for us. Cooper said that he believes that people are sensing that the tide is turning and that it's turning towards compromise. He says those who still hold to biblical sexual ethics are getting more and more afraid to say something because they feel bullied and they feel like they're the minority. And they're also not sure what's going to happen if they do. They're, they're not sure if there's going to be anyone in the Christian music scene that has their back. And so the veteran rocker of 26 years urged Christians never to take any anything people like Webb, Flamey Grant, and Sumlers take seriously because they're delusional and they hate the truth, he says. They are moral relativists. They don't believe that there is anything uh, such as moral absolutes. And Cooper went on to say that the Christian music industry is a reflection of the church and that he never thought he'd see one of the most famous mega pastors in the nation basically become queer affirming or to some degree is or to be so unclear on the issue that to most that he is. He's talking, by the way, there about Andy Stanley. I never thought I would I would ever see a Christian artist, much less a Christian pastor, march with Black Lives, Black Lives Matters BLM, but not condemn the actual violence that was happening, and then criticize Christians who did condone it. He says, I never thought I would see pastors conflate the murder of the unborn with not giving women childcare after birth. I never thought I'd see it in a million years. And Cooper adds that he never thought he would see pastors or Christian artists say that being empathetic and having a winsome tone is more Christ-like than speaking truth and calling out evil. That has led to a grown man, Derek Webb, who's an apostate, Cooper says, says he doesn't believe in God, spends his time being an accuser of the brethren, and someone who consistently, consciously hates Jesus, goes on to say nonsense and have Christian people in the music industry go, he does kind of have a point. Uh, Cooper says that he doesn't even know what to think. Now, here's the thing. Cooper is absolutely right. I mean, his analysis of the situation as as somebody who is in the movement is, is spot on. I mean, there's there's very little that I can say by way of it, but um, other than other than say, you know, I agree with what he's saying because even even the fact that he is allowed at the event, a Christian event. Now, that that's a whole nother matter, but the fact is he's at this event. It is a Christian award show, and he is there along with a group of people. I mean, the people that organize the event need to be called out as well because they're, normal, they're allowing the normalization of this behavior when they're advocating against what the Bible says. Notice what Webb and his party want to do. They said they want to spread queer Christian joy. Notice that, queer Christian joy. But but where is that in the Bible? There's Christian joy. There's, there's the joy of the Lord, which is to be our strength, uh, as Nehemiah talks about. But uh, queer Christian joy, there's, there's nothing in the Bible that says queer Christian joy. And, and this is the problem here. Rather than, rather than believing the objective standard 
of, of the word of God. That is that the Bible is inspired, that it is uh, inerrant, that is without error. It's infallible without the possibility of error, that it's sufficient. It's for our life and godliness. It's, it's clear, meaning that it, what it says is enough for us, and also that it's binding on our lives, that it's authoritative for our lives. Here's the thing. These people, they don't believe that. They, they want to do the exact opposite of this. And we have seen this over and over and over again, especially in the last 50 years, where they want to redefine what terms mean. And they, and they will want to suggest some of these, some of these, some of their teachers suggest, you know what, just get rip out part of the Bible that, that, that talks about and, and supports their, the, the, the side that stands for biblical ethics. That is giving up the argument at that point. They have given up the argument at that point. When, when you want to rip out parts of the Bible that don't support your view, let's be honest what that is. You don't believe the Bible. Now, now here's the thing. Our theology is to be grounded in the Word of God. Doctrine is teaching, and teaching comes from the Word of God. But, but doctrine is not only doctrine is not only to be known. That is, we're not only supposed to read it and study it and meditate on it and to memorize it. We're not only supposed to hear the word preached, but, but doctrine is to inform our lives. It, it's, yes, supposed to fill our heads, but it's also supposed to lead to a transformation of life. That is why sound doctrine fuels sound living before the face of God. But it not only fuels sound living, it leads to right living also before other people. That is, uh, as as Joel Beakey and uh, Smalley talk about in, you know, Reformed Systematic Theology, theology is for the head, the heart, and the hands. Meaning that theology is to, yes, inform our minds, it's to transform our hearts because we've been united to Christ by faith in his name, we're indwelt by the Spirit, and the Spirit is working more of the Word into our lives to help us conform more into the image of Christ, and that results in our lives being transformed by Christ, leading to us going out and being salt and light to the world. That's what they mean by head, heart, and hands. And yet what we're seeing is the opposite of this with Webb and, and, and these situations. Because what we're seeing with, with these types of situations that are happening with increasing frequency is they want to normalize behavior that is against the Bible. Sure, you know what? They have theology. They, they want to have a message. They have a message to send. They want to send a message. They want to send a message of equality and acceptance without equivocation, meaning just accept me as I am without qualification. I am who I am, and you either accept me as I am or you don't, and that's on you if you don't. But then, but then the argument becomes, what, what is real acceptance? What is real acceptance? Sure, as Christians, we are to show compassion. But we are also, as Christians, to have a backbone. Uh, Jude 3 tells us that we're to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. In Ephesians 4.15, we're to speak the truth in love. In fact, in Ephesians 4.29, not but a few verses later, we're to speak words that build up and edify. Um, so there's that. But also in 2 Timothy 2.24 and 25, Paul says to Timothy and to us today that we're to correct opponents with gentleness. There is a reason why we're talking about this is because that a man is a man in the Bible. A man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. But what this whole story blurs is, is that distinction that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. When a man dresses like a woman, they send the message that it, that there is no difference between the sexes. And so whatever the message is, whatever the goal is, you've spread not you've spread not clarity about your message, not about joy. You've spread a message of confusion to people, to a culture that is already confused. As we as we've been talking about on this show, about about the very idea about what a man is and what a woman is. And we also see this with, you know, a woman uh, su- suggesting that she's 
a, a man. And, and we see this in numerous stories all the time. We as Christians have to be clear, like Cooper is saying, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And we need to be clear that God's word is clear on this. It's, it's not like there's not uh, that like there's only a few verses that say this. There's verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And so at some point you have to ask a question. And the question is, do they believe the Bible? Do they believe that the, what the Lord did in making them and knitting them together, as Psalm 139 says, do they believe that that is enough or not? And, and if they don't believe that that is enough, then, then they're spitting in the face of God. When, when a man dresses like a woman, he's spitting in the face of God. When a woman dresses like a man, she's spitting in the face of God. It's, it's rebellion against God. It's rebellion against the created order. God made us the way he did. He assigned our gender. If he made you a man and gave you uh, the, the parts of a man, you are a man. If, if you were made a woman by the Lord, you're a woman. Praise the Lord. <laughs> there's, there's nothing. There's, that, that's a biblical fact, by the way. It's a, it's a scientific fact. Now, getting into the whole matter of, of, of the science aspect of it, we'll, we'll get into that in, in future episodes, but it's enough to say that the Bible is clear. The Bible is crystal clear on this topic. And Cooper is so right when he, when he talks about, we need to stand up. I want to I encourage you. I want to encourage you on this show to stand up. You may think, Dave, I don't have a podcast. I don't have a pulpit. I don't, I don't have a blog. I don't have much influence at all. Guess what? Are you a single mom? Are you, are you a mother? Uh, oh, oh, if you're a woman, are you, do you have children? Then guess what? You can teach your children the truth from God's word. That is, a, that is an, a, such a vital ministry. Are, are you a husband who has children? You can walk alongside them and teach them the word of God, which are to do, by the way, uh, to, to teach them in the, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Guess what? That is your ministry. Are, are you a husband who has a wife? Guess what? You have a responsibility to wash your wife with the word. That's a ministry. That's your first ministry. And that's my first ministry before anything else. That is my ministry. Well, my first ministry is my walk with the Lord. But then after that, I mean, wash my wife with the word. And, and here's the thing. When events like this happen, it sends the message to the broader culture that we as Christians are confused, just as confused as they are. What an indictment that is. And not to mention the fact that this is a Christian music event. And we know that there is all sorts of issues in the Christian movement, especially with Bethel and on and on, and and the rise of false doctrine, which absolutely impacts everything. But, But here's the thing. They are there to spread not a message of joy, of Christian joy. They are to spread the message of the world. You know, it's it's really interesting when you look at, for example, Genesis 3, and you notice, what's, what does Satan do there? He gave just enough information to Eve to get her to be seduced. This is what false teaching does. It gives us, it makes right statements insofar as it goes to a degree, but then on the other end, guess what? Of the sentence, there's false statements. That's why we need to be so, we need to pay attention when people are using words. Jesus talks about this in Luke 6, 45. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. With, with Webb's own words, which we've already considered, he is advocating not for Christianity. He is uh, uh, advocating for equality and acceptance without equivocation, without qualification. He wants to be accepted as he is and, and for other people in his camp and, and hit with his view to be accepted as they are. Now, let's be clear about something. Everybody wants to be accepted for who and what they are. 
Nobody wants to be condemned. Nobody wants to have the Bible thrown down their face. And nobody, nobody here at Service of Grace would do that. That, that is not who we are. We want to come alongside people. We want to expose error. We want to deal with arguments, but we, we're not here to put people, we're not here to take the Bible and club people over the head. Uh, that's not what we're about. We're, we're here to engage with arguments so that the arguments themselves can be exposed. Their ideas can be exposed for lacking biblical fidelity. And that is what we see here in this news story. A lack of biblical fidelity and biblical clarity. Uh, and even a, a, a the idea that I need to become like one of them. Uh, I need to become like the opposing view so that uh, this other crowd, the Christian crowd, will accept them. Friends, there's a word for that, and it's called worldliness. Worldliness. We are not called to become like the world. We are called to be different. After all, we as the church are literally the called out ones. We have been called out from the world. In fact, we've been transferred, Paul says in Colossians 1, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. That is who we have been called to. We've been called from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. We belong to Christ. And he belongs to us. We are his and he is ours. And what that means is that we are fundamentally to be different. That's what Jesus is talking about on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 10 through 12. We are to be salt and light. Well, guess what? In this case, the devil words has lost its sense of salt and light. And this is why theology matters. Some people think, you know what, this is just for this is just for people that are, have gone to Bible college and seminary and you know, they get up in the pulpit and preach. But you know what your pastor is trying to do when he preaches? He's giving you doctrine. He's giving you doctrine from the Word of God because what he's trying to do is he, he should be doing, and if you're not getting this, you should leave that church, but what he should be doing is expositing or explaining texts of Scripture verse by verse and line by line uh, week in and week out for you uh, to help you grow in your knowledge and skill of the Word of God and you yourself so you yourself can read and study and meditate and memorize on the Word. That's why you better be in a church that preaches the Bible because that church is teaching you they're teaching you how to handle the bible so they better be handling the bible correctly they better have sound doctrine because you're going to be impacted by that preaching you're going to be impacted by that ministry it's going to affect your family your home the way you do work and and life and more before the face of god and whether you're ultimately your life ultimately honors or dishonors god and that's what we're seeing in this situation what these gentlemen are doing, what these people are doing, dishonors the Lord of glory. And they say that they're doing the Lord's work. They're trying to spread queer Christian joy, but there is no such thing as queer Christian joy. There is no such thing as it. There's Christian joy, period, full stop. And then there's everything else. You know what, what the Lord promises is he promises joy unending. He promises in the Psalms, in Psalms 1611, pleasures forevermore. Pleasure forevermore. That is, that is infinite. That is un, we're talking about the God who made the universe. We're talking about the God who made us in, our image, in his image and in his likeness. The real issue that we see here in this story is Romans 1 on full display. The world, the flesh, and the devil as to use the words of 1 John 2, is on display. The world loves to clamor for our attention. The world celebrates when we uh, cave to worldliness and apathy. The world plods us on when we are driven by the flesh and not by who we are as we've been identified with because of our union with Christ and because of the work of the Spirit in our life. That is why Paul told us in Galatians 5 to put off the works of the flesh. In Colossians 3, he tells us, these these former things, they used to, you used to be known by them, you're supposed to put them off and put on Christ. Why? This is our union with Christ. We've been united to Christ by faith in his name. 
We've been indwelt by the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit is teaching us, He's instructing us from the Word to help us to grow to be like Christ. And, and so at the end of the day, what, what the world offers and, and what the Bible offers are two totally different things. And we have to be so clear about this today because at the end of the day, here is the issue. The issue is one of worldviews. And which worldview are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the worldview advocated by Webb and, and, and by those who oppose biblical sexual ethics? Or are you going to stand on and for the word of God and what God says about what a what man is and what a woman is and what marriage is? Or are you going to cave to the culture? These, are, these two issues really coalesce in one issue. Who is authoritative over every area of your life? Or where do you personally, where do you personally ground your knowledge of the truth in? Is it in yourself? Is it in your opinions? Or is it in the revealed word of God? For the Christian, the answer is the word of God. For the, for the world, the answer is themselves. That is all they have. That is why the world opposes us so much. Why, why, why we need to understand that on these matters, it opposes us so much because that is the worldview that they have themselves. My thinking, my feelings, what I think about this and that. It's a religion of self. It's the, cel- it's the elevation of the creature above the creator. And that is what it is Paul is talking about in Romans 1. And by the way, just one last couple of thoughts. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that, that the biblical God has set eternity on our hearts. We're talking about the God who made us, the one who fashioned us in our mother's womb, as, as Psalm 139 says, the Lord fashioned us in our mother's womb. We're talking about the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. We're talking about the one who causes our, our very cells, our very DNA to function. We're talking about without the Lord upholding this world, we would cease to exist. The, the, the breath that you have, the ability for your brain to function so that you can uh, hear these words and words can come into your, into your brain and you can process them. That, that's a gift of God's grace to you. You know, and that's why we need to understand that these worldviews, these matters on sexual ethics, they're matters of worldview, and and they're a dividing line. There there are people who are, are falling away because they they don't believe the Bible, and maybe they never did believe the Bible. First uh, John two nineteen says they went out from among us because they did not belong to us, meaning that they did not belong to Christ. They were not united to Christ. They did not put their hope and trust truly in Christ. And Jesus even gives this dire warning in Matthew 7. Depart from me, I never knew you. That is a stark reminder that even among us today, there are those who think I'm a Christian, but they give no evidence of Christianity. They give no evidence of the transforming work of God's grace in their lives. And by the way, just a word about that. Because some of you will hear that, well, well, should I doubt my assurance then? No, not necessarily. But you should do, as 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5 says, and examine yourself to see if you're in Christ. That means that if you have questions about this, you should go to your pastor. You should go to a mature Christian if you're a man. If you're a Christian man, you should go to a Christian man. If you're a woman, you should go to a seasoned Christian woman and have that conversation. And if there is none, then repent and believe and put your hope and trust in Christ alone, trusting not in your own feelings or experiences or performance, but solely on the righteousness that is in Christ alone and imputed to us who believe only by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the great truth that we need to be so clear on today. Because what this view is that's out there that opposes the biblical view on sexual ethics suggests is people can be accepted however they are. And, and not only this, but they suggest that Jesus will accept them as they are. And it doesn't matter if you repent to believe in Jesus. You just follow the teaching of Jesus. But Jesus himself says, he talks about repentance. 
He talks about how he is the only way and the only truth and the only life. There's only one way. He is the door. He even says that he goes after the one lost sheep. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one lost sheep. In Luke's gospel, in Luke 19.10, uh, this it says this, that Jesus came to seek and to save the world. And so the, at the very heart of the incarnation, we can say, where, where Jesus was born as a baby, as a, he came as a sinless substitute to pay the penalty for us in our place and for our sin. And that's what makes Webb's statement about the so-called incarnational life so, so egregious because it equates the incarnation with something that we're to do today. Yes, yes, we're to live in a manner that pleases the Lord. Yes, we're to think, but, but, but just saying uh, you can do that in any way that you want, that, that's not the point. Because, because how we are to live, the command to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we receive that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, it's grounded in the prior argument that he's made about who we are in Christ. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, because we've been united to Christ by faith in his name, yeah, we can walk this walk out because we are his and he is ours. But to say that there, there isn't a dividing line and that there's just God cares not about those kind of things and, and that there can be real joy outside of that, there's nothing in the Bible that supports that. The only joy that we have is because of Jesus. Jesus, knowing the biblical Jesus, makes all the difference in the world. In fact, this is why Jesus did what, what is called dividing the audience. You know, you see this when there were massive crowds around, around Jesus. He would give a hard teaching. Look at John 6. At the very end of John 6, he even says to some of his disciples, Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says what? Those famous words. Uh, where, where are we to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Peter at that time recognized that the only one with the words of life is Jesus Christ. For the, for the true Christian, they recognize what Peter did, that Jesus has the words of eternal life, that, that what Jesus and what the rest of the Bible says is enough for them and it always will be. And so they, they believe it. They follow it. They know that, that the dividing line is believing God and taking him at his word and obeying him by the grace of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is where the dividing line is. And that's why those who want to follow the world and its world, worldly view of sexual ethics, that's where they go because that's their worldview. They have their truth and that's it. For the Christian, though, we have what God has said finally and fully and it's been delivered in the word of god and the word of god is enough for us because the only way to know god to know what god has said is to know him as he's been revealed in the word and so we believe the word of god yes we even believe yes that god made man and he made woman and he he created marriage between one man one woman for life and that a man is a man and a man is to act like a man because God assigned him that gender and a woman is to be a woman. And these things really matter. They matter because God has said, God has spoken. And so the only response that we have is a matter of obedience to God. Obedience to the God who made us. Obedience to the God who fashioned us. Obedience to the God who, through Christ, has saved us. Obedience to the God uh, because of his grace through our union with Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So we obey. And Jesus says in John fourteen fifteen, speaking to the disciples in the upper room discourse, if you love me, obey my, what? My commandments. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, that the commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because he is the one who's giving us the power through through his death, burial, and resurrection, through, through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, through the convicting ministry and the comfort of the Spirit, he's helping us, conforming us evermore into the image and likeness of Christ in the midst of our trials, our sufferings, our joys, our hardships, our hard days, our difficult days, our relational challenges. At every single time and in every single way, the Lord is good. And all of this is so important to understand 
And this is also why Cooper is right. We need to stand up and we need to speak out about these things. And we need to be clear as we do. And that's why I'm going to keep talking about these things because they matter. Because there are, there are teachers in our schools that are being attacked day in and day out, uh, ridiculed and, and even maligned because they believe these matters. And they need the help. They need the encouragement. Pastor, you need to stand on the word of God and declare that to, to, your, to your congregate who's in the schools and facing it day in and day out. We need all of us to speak up, no matter our platform, the size of it, or whatever. We need to all stand up, and we need to be counted. And what this event shows us is that worldliness continues to creep into the church, and we need to be clear about that, too, that we are the called-out ones, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to be sure. But to be, we are indwelt by the Spirit. We have, we have the Spirit, and the Spirit is producing what the fruits of the Spirit in our lives as we walk with the Lord and we walk this walk of faith and we aim to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received. And where we fail, we repent. We repent. We confess our ongoing need of the grace of God. We need the grace of God. As Charles Spurgeon once said, I have a great need of Christ and a great Christ for my need. That's all of us as Christians. And to be clear, we speak up and from the the word because we care we don't speak to browbeat to bash to ridicule to to cast doubt upon we speak because god has spoken god spoke that that's the argument god spoke and so we only speak as god has already spoken and we speak we are to be motivated by by the truth yes but we're to speak the truth in love and the bible has so much to say about that so I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Contending for the Word podcast. Until next week, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contending for the Word. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, and follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, or X. We appreciate your support.